Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to Upfront at the Euros on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Group B is underway as Germany tonk Denmark at Brentford and Spain come back to batter Finland and Milton Keynes. Meanwhile, Northern Ireland make history with their first ever goal in a major tournament finals. But Norway serve them up some harsh lessons. We're going to relive all that and look ahead to England's big clash with Norway on Monday. It's been a sensational few days of football um, and the weather has been glorious as well. It just feels like the best summer of all time. Um, let's start in last night's last night's game at Brentford, Rachel. You and I were there. Mm-hmm. The sunsets and the skies, the purple skies were glorious so and nice. the football was pretty good as well. Pretty good for Germany, yeah. Um, Denmark seemed to just not really <laughs> turn up, unfortunately. Um, we did talk about how they might struggle to get out of the group, given this was the group of death finally kicking off yesterday. Um, but yeah, I think we probably expected a little bit more from Denmark, given they were in the 2017 final. Worth remembering that they actually are quite a young squad. Um, I think that was summed up perfectly by uh, their number 15, whose name escapes me, came on, I think maybe 65 minutes got a yellow card, got another yellow card on 90 plus four, got one of the last bits of the game was her being sent off. God love her. Like she, she looked about 15 as well. Um, but you know, it's hard. Like obviously Pernilla Harder is, is the star for them. And, and, um, she couldn't get it. Couldn't get a sniff of the ball. Germany just would not let that ball through. They were, they were very, very impressive. Yeah, and every single time she tried to get on the ball, they they would close her down as well. Like they were they were being nasty, and we know that harder, despite her calm and chill exterior, she can get quite rattled quite quickly. And she was not happy. She was getting pushed around, bustled around, elbowed out the way, and it worked. It worked because I think we spoke in the, in the build up in our preview shows about how. There was going to be such a reliance on harder for Denmark to get out of this group, but they had a good chance of getting out of this group, especially everything that's happened with Spain and injuries. 
But last night was a tough one to take. And without harder firing, it's really hard to see how they get any goals. Signa Brun was just so isolated. Felt like she had barely any touches on the ball. Chloe, I had been bigging up Germany a little bit in the last few weeks because when I looked deeper in their squad, I got a little bit terrified. Um, But last night made me quite nervous about the prospect of England potentially facing Germany in the quarterfinal. And now I'm actually kind of hoping it's going to be Spain. Uh, I don't know how you feel after last night's result. I think I've got to agree with that. I mean, uh, nervous is definitely the word. I mean, they just came out in full force. And I think... Obviously, they're a team, they're a side that have have won the European Championships eight times previously. And I think um, they've got quite a low profile in the build-up to the tournament. And I think, um, you know, obviously the Euros seem to be, the the focus seems to be with us, obviously, which is great. But I think um, a lot of the teams flew under the radar in terms of what they were getting up to. And, um, you know, Germany and Denmark, I think that was one of the strongest games that I'd ever seen them play. But I think that was partly due to, to how poor I felt that, Denmark played but I mean strength-wise when you even look at some of the stats of that game I mean Germany had 22 shots compared to six with Denmark they had 66% of the possession their pass completion was almost double that of Denmark and then and it just felt like actually this is going to be one of the sides to watch going through the tournament and um, yeah that does make me uh, that's that squeaky bum time if we end up facing them (laughs) yeah a little bit of nerves creeping in I still think if if you put pressure on the defence uh, then you can you can find Germany's weakness. But the problem last night was, Rachel, that Denmark just didn't get anywhere near doing that. No, I think in the first 10 minutes we saw, you know, they put pressure on um, early. I was actually in the crowd for this one rather than shooting and I brought a friend with me because Sophie was up in the press box. And uh, the first kind of 10, 15 minutes, he was like, wow, this is, this is going to be really good game, some really good football. Denmark looked like really good passers of the ball, which they were in the first kind of 10, 15. Um, even I was saying myself, like, this game looks like it's going to be really transitional. You know, Denmark had a few good chances early on in the beginning. They started quickly. Um, but yeah, like you said, they just, they cut off any kind of flow to Pernilla Harder and she was trying to float as best she could because she doesn't tend to stick in that one position. She was coming back so deep by the second half. Like Denmark kept trying to play out from the back, which I get that style of football, but Germany's press was so high, especially in the second half. Um, they just kind of created some, created their own problems at times. Um, but looking at Germany so quick um, so quick in kind of transitioning from um, defence to attack um, and they looked strong throughout they weren't hugely tested at the back but all around they looked pretty savage and, and like we said th- they hit the bar three times the post twice the crossbar they hit the, po- the post and the crossbar in the same phase of play at one point um, but yeah they, they are looking very dangerous Speaking of playing out from the back, uh, Northern Ireland losing 4-1 to Norway. That was another scenario where I thought, what are you doing? Like getting yourselves into trouble time and time again, being too slow, trying to get the ball out of out of your own third. And, and, and Norway were just like, it was, it was their lucky day. They probably, probably couldn't believe what was happening because every single time they would just pounce and gobble up whatever Northern Ireland were trying to do. Um, Rachel, you were at this one, weren't you? Um, give us the kind of inside take of, of what it was like at St Mary's and, and, and the performance as well. 
off the pitch, the crowd were incredible. Um, there was a, a really nice, loud number of Northern Irish fans in the stands. They were kind of... The, the, the overall crowd wasn't brilliant, but, you know, there was a lot of Northern Ireland fans and they had a really big pocket of them as well and they were loud and they sang the whole time and they created a brilliant atmosphere. On the pitch, I mean, I was... I, I had to admire Northern Ireland's bravery at times. Um, you know, they did try and get up the pitch uh, as much as they could. I think we spoke about Norway's, I don't even want to call it a weakness, but their area that can be exploited being their defence. And I think obviously Northern Ireland knew this and they, they, they tried to exploit that. But like you say, I think just playing out from the back when you've got the likes of, of Caroline Graham Hansen, Ada Hegeberg, Guru Wrighton, you know, they're all fit players who are going to be on you for 90 minutes. Um, and it just, it didn't, they, they kept trying it. Um, and I think for me, as, as boring as it is, Route 1 football, launching it forward, at least you're putting the pressure on the area of Norway that you want to be pressuring. And uh, I think they, they maybe would have had a little bit more joy if they did that. But at the end of the day, Norway were dangerous and... They look good and they, it could have been an awful lot more only for, you know, some great defending and some great goalkeeping. I think um, I've got to disagree a little bit on the point about playing out from the back. I think um, I absolutely agree that it was brave of, of Northern Ireland to continue doing that when it clearly at times wasn't working. I think the press from Norway was so good and so intense. But I think um, the, the difficulty, I suppose, in playing out from the back is that once you've launched it long, it's only going to go down to a sort of 50-50 ball in the middle and then it's just going to come straight back at you and you're going to see yourself under another wave of attack. And yeah, the advantage is, I suppose, that the wave of attack is slightly further up the field and you've got more players behind the ball. But... I think in terms of the kind of style of football now that's being played, it feels like there is a transition now to trying to work out, you know, problem solve from the back going forwards. And, you know, it is brave. And I think if they really want to start to progress, I mean, this is obviously their first entry into the tournament this year. But, you know, if they're going to start to progress and actually play elite or more elite and get further up the, the rankings, I think they're going to have to start, you know, making those mistakes, learning from those mistakes and, and adapting to those. But I suppose they can't adapt until they till they make those mistakes with, with, them, with these types of teams. So... Yeah, it was um, it was a tough learning curve for them. Um, but I think I mean the result was exactly what what you'd expect. I mean the goal scorers were exactly what you expect with with Graham Hansen and, and Wrighton and Blackstad and you know Hergerberg there for the for the assist as well. And you know going two goals down in in fifteen minutes was was probably what you'd expect from the game. But I think um, overall, I think Northern Ireland can come away from that really proud of themselves and especially with the the Junior Nielsen goal. Um, I mean, I don't think you could expect a a better legend to be picking up, uh, you know, the first goal for for Northern Ireland. And I think that was incredible. And you could see the passion from the players um, about how much that goal meant to them and how much they'd made history that game so you know credit to them yeah I mean we have to we have to shout out 37 year old Julie Nelson for getting on the score sheet this is the kind of thing that she would have waited a whole lifetime to achieve the 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 image of her face when she realizes the ball's in the back of the net because the Mm -hmm. Norwegian goalkeeper was kind of scrambling a little bit um and she was just kind of surrounded by her teammates in that moment and kind of let out this scream looking up to the the skies. It was such an incredible moment. What was it like in the stadium, Rachel? Well, for me, what was frustrating was I'd been down the Northern Ireland defending end for the first half shooting and um, I was with some people and they were going to move ends and I messaged Sophie and said, you know what, I feel like Northern Ireland have a goal in them. I might stay this end. And then I decided to move. 
and they did score and I missed <laughs> shooting their first goal at a European Championships which I was pretty <laughs> devastated about but when it did go in you know the stadium erupted very very special you know I feel like even the Norway fans were applauding and, and, and happy for them so yeah it was a great moment really glad I at least got to see it never mind if I didn't get to shoot it. And Kenny Shields, as always, delivering us some um, cracking lines in the post-match press conference. The man is just a walking, talking um, entertainer. Um, and we all expected, we, I think we said it the other day, we, we expected something funny to come out of it. On Thursday night, I forgot what day it was, the story was about uh, the fact that a Scandinavian referee was was picked to uh, ref a Finnish referee was picked to, to ref a, a fellow Scandi team, which is like you know a reach, I think. Um, <laughs> and then this quote, which I just think is hilarious, he said, "We've created a monster," which just reminds me of kind of like Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> but essentially, he, he used quite a strange phrase to say that we've kind of you know dropped ourselves in the in the deep end too quickly and. Shockingly, I, I I sort of a little bit agree with him in the sense that I think is a, it is a, a bit of an excuse for uh, some tactical decisions I think could have gone differently, like stop playing out from the back when Norway are just absolutely swarming you. Um, but it is really hard for a team like Northern Ireland when they're playing in a major tournament for the first time against nations who are playing with fully professional sides, with players that or, and countries that either have some of them fully professional leagues or fully professional clubs within semi-pro slash professional leagues. Um, and that development is so far away for so many of their players. And the obvious sad news that they lost Simone McGill out for the tournament, still wait and see what the uh, extent of her injury is. But I do in that kind of, not the creator monster, but the other half of that sentence about, you know, playing big teams, it is really tough. But at the same time, we've seen Northern Ireland get, good results against more developed nations so they are better than I think what they showed on Thursday night but also like we knew that we knew that going into it we don't need an excuse we know what the situation is in Northern Ireland we know they don't want to just come in to make up the numbers but we have to look at the fact that them reaching this a major tournament is incredible and I know the results on the pitch might be difficult but I don't feel the need for them to have to make excuses. They've they've already done something incredible by reaching the tournament. And we know that they're going to go out there and put absolutely everything into every performance, which is massively commendable. Enjoyable to watch in in the case of, of seeing teams knowing that they've overachieved and they're here on this massive stage and they're standing next to these, you know, Ballon d'Or winners um, and, and really going for it and really putting up a fight to them. And, you know, um, I thought... You know, they defended Ada Hegerberg really well. She didn't get a goal. She was desperate for a goal. She had plenty of chances, but they really harried her. And I just, they put in commendable performances. And I don't think we need to come out and make excuses after matches. You know, they're gonna they're gonna learn so much from this. Yeah, I think I agree. With, you know, with um, with all those press conferences, I feel like controversial Kenny. Just, I, I don't think Love he really sets nickname. the tone of, Love that <laughs> of what's really happened. Um, and I don't. I know he has a fantastic relationship with the players, but I also think there there seems to be lacking a sort of um, 
a distinct sense of positivity and sort of history creation about this tournament and what it means for the players themselves and also for the country. And um, every time we go into these sort of um, the press situations, I feel like the focus of what's come out of it is not actually what they've achieved or the positives to take home from from the games, but it's actually what is he going to say now? And um, and that's why I don't want the focus to be because it does detract from what what has been achieved. Um, so for me as a player, I, I'd just be thinking, can can you just not do the press conference? anymore that that'd be great and get someone like <laughs> Rachel Furness to go down there yeah, yeah. Um, and sort of uh, instill a bit more of um, that inspiring type um, type vibe that I think the players players want want to see um, I, I a player I do want to shout out because she had an unreal performance is Abby McGee 21 year old playing for Linfield in the Northern Ireland leagues Oh my word, she was putting her body on the line. She must have done like two or three last ditch challenges. It could have been probably, you know, like six or seven one if it wasn't for some of what she did on Thursday night. Um, so, you know, there's lots to look forward to, I think, and lots of exciting young prospects in that team. And we have to also, you know, talk about the unfortunate loss of another very good player in this tournament. Within a short space of time, we obviously lost Alexia Pateas, and we've lost Simone McGill and I just hope it's not a really long injury because she's just literally like a week ago signed for Aston Villa. So Carla Ward must be also tearing her hair out. Um, but it's, it was really sad seeing her like really emotional, obviously in so much pain and also knowing in that moment as a player, Chloe, I mean, you, you must know having had injuries over the, over the space of your career, like that moment when something happens and you just know like this is bad and I'm not going to be playing for a while. Yeah, it's a different level of realisation. I mean, and the same thing happened to me in one of the last games that I played in, in February. I mean, I ruptured my um, ligament and um, screwed up a few things and there were some bones floating around. And um, I mean, that happened in the, the fourth or fifth Oof. minute of the game. Um, and I, <laughs> because you never know sort of like when you're going to get an opportunity to play sometimes. Um, I carried on until uh, half time, but I knew in my heart of hearts that something wasn't right. And I think, um, you know, I came off at half time and I was in absolute bits, um, not through the pain. Well, the pain was enough, but just the emotional realisation, I think, of, of what that, that means for your career and what kind of rehab you're looking at. Because in that moment, you just don't know how serious it is, but you just know that something's really significantly wrong. And um, and you just don't know how that's going to affect your um, chances going forwards or when your next play or how your next play again. And um, I can't even imagine um, the sort of pain and heartbreak of being in something like the Euros and, and, and feeling and feeling that same way. So, um, yeah, my heart, my, yeah, my heart goes out to it. Yeah, we wish Simone McGill all the best. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Another another team who's lost a key part of their squad is Spain. Alexi Pateas was there in the Milton Keynes sunshine. Um, I would love her take on Milton Keynes and see what she thinks about it. Um, I mean, it was a really good crowd, a really good crowd, I have to say. Uh, just over 16,000. It was a record for uh, a, a Euros game that didn't involve the host nation. Um, Milton Keynes came out for this game, finished support, travelled in really good numbers. I would say the, the the Spanish fans. There were there were definitely fewer of them. It was more the locals, I think, repping the Spanish team than anything. Um, but yeah, really good atmosphere, and I'm excited for the for the games that are gonna they're gonna be hosting for the rest of the tournament. Um, obviously, UK's biggest ASDA next door as well. So um, nice. Nice. You've got everything you need there. Uh, but the game itself, I actually predicted 3-1 before the game started. Get so you. I was I was a, I was fairly close to this. Um but I actually was still really surprised when Finland scored. Um, we know that, that that Spain play a very high line. So so Finland was smart in the way that they played. Just try and play long balls over the top, catch them on the break and beat them basically in a, in a foot race to get there and finish it. And that's exactly what Linda Solstrom did. Um, and the, the, uh, the Spanish uh, TV commentary team were right next to me. So... The reaction from them when that goal went in, because they'd just done this big, it was the first minute of the game, they'd just done this big intro, they were so excited, you know, like Spain kicking off, and then it was just like literally this noise. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I just looked over, and Vera Vitek was there, who used to play for the Spain team, was a big part of their squad, um, now plays in Italy. Her, her face just like dropped, and it was like, oh God, like literally the air being popped out of a balloon. And I thought, okay, like, and then minutes later, Adeline Engman had a very similar chance and it could have been 2-0 straight, ball over the top, chasing on the right-hand side, just wide of the post. Um, but then pretty much after the, that moment, it was one-way traffic. Um, and I have to commend Finland for what they did. Um, but their defending was poor. Um, they, you know, they they didn't really track their markers very, very well. Spain scored three headers. And I think on all three of those headers, the marking could have been a little bit better. Um, but... I mean, what a comeback from Spain because it, it could have been another story on, on Friday. Well, I, it's a surprise, first of all, like we kind of expected Finland to be difficult to break down, but I think Spain's movement makes it so hard. When you look at those goals, they're, they're, they're just so quick and the way they play football is just so quick. Um, it kind of felt a bit like they were running rings around Finland. But I think we're going to see this from a lot of teams when they're coming up against, you know, if they're the underdog, we've seen it in a couple of games now, they come out of the blocks quickly. And if they could get a couple of goals early on, 
you know, that massively swings the pressure onto the other team. Um, and Finland nearly did that. I think getting themselves a two-goal cushion maybe would have made their defence just that little bit sharper. Um, but yeah, really impressive by Spain. Three headers as well, which, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have expected. Um, but yeah, I, I'm impressed. I think they said there that um, Alexi Pateas kind of drove them on to victory. And, you know, sometimes that could be quite dangerous, having having something extra to fight for. Um so yeah, a very, very solid win for Spain. Their possession stats, the number of shots they had, like incredible, dangerous. Um, but at the same time, Finland, probably the weakest team in the group. So um, it'd be interesting to see how they get on against a Germany, a physical Germany, who are very good at, at shutting down those passes. There was, you know, when Germany played Denmark, there was so little space between the lines. I just, um, for Denmark, they just, they couldn't get in anywhere. And I think if Germany can do that to Spain and close down those opportunities, it could make for a very, very exciting match. I think it was, um, I was really impressed with Finland. I thought, um, you know, they are one of the weakest teams in the competition. And, you know, to come out against one of the strongest teams in the competition and put away a goal in the first minute and, you know, take advantage of a, you know, a defensive lapse and, and almost take advantage of a second defensive lapse, I thought was 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 pretty powerful. Um, and I think I would be surprised, obviously, Spain being a little bit shaky, obviously not having um, Pateas there uh, in the squad. But obviously being in the stands, I've got to agree with Rachel, that, that would have been an extra boost for them. Um, but I think the game was also a bit of a stance that you know whilst they don't have one of their best players they're still going to come out and absolutely destroy teams and you know not take any prisoners so um yeah it was a dominant performance I don't think there was anything too controversial about what happened in the game um apart from just that that first minute goal they're definitely in full force definitely not being put off by by one of their strikers um being away and um I think they're still on track to, to create absolute havoc in this tournament so yeah exciting yeah I gave I gave Denmark such a good such a good chance of getting out of that group but I think based on both those matches yesterday I'm now a bit like mm-hmm. ooh yeah I don't know if that's going to happen um, I mean Mappy Leon was sensational yesterday um, she looked a bit, a bit shaky actually in those first 10 minutes um, Finland were, were doing really well to put her under pressure and kind of catch her out but then her delivery into the box for for the free kick uh, uh, assist that it was then I think Bon Mati. Oh no, it was the ball in from the left that then Bon Mati headed in. And then uh, I think it was Garcia that then headed in the free kick. Um, yeah, really, really, really good delivery. And um, yeah, sensational. A few bits of updates, some housekeeping. Uh, unfortunately, Lotta Moy has had to leave the England cap after uh, testing positive for COVID-19, which is a massive shame. And hopefully she'll be back because I think the Northern Ireland game, depending on the result on Monday, would be a really good opportunity to see someone like her get a chance to play in this tournament. Um, We've got two big games on Monday, obviously Austria versus Northern Ireland and England versus Norway in Brighton. Um, Based off that slightly terrifying Norway performance against Northern Ireland, how are we feeling about that game? Uh, Yeah, slightly nervous. I think we we pegged this as the big game in the group um, before we even saw them play. We knew it was going to be a tough game. Uh, And the the performance against Northern Ireland has just solidified that for us. I do think England will play better, uh, but I also think Norway are still going to be a very, very tough opposition. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good match, whatever happens. But as a as an England fan, I'm I'm nervous. I mean, I'm absolutely buzzing for it. I'm going to head down to the stadium. Um, 
in Brighton on Monday with my parents Aww. to go and watch uh, the game, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but I think, um, you know, Norway will have seen how we can be a little bit harried under pressure, um, especially at the start of the game. I know we sort of struggled with that for the first 10, 15 minutes in the opening game. And um, we can be a little bit guilty of making mistakes at the back un- under pressure. So I think that that will be something that I'll be looking at. And potentially, I think Norway will be looking at um, to try and sort of take control in the first opening minutes of the game maybe pounce on mistakes uh, and obviously we're, we're playing out from the back so to put us under pressure a little bit more so um, I am a little bit wary but I also think that we're going to rise to the occasion I think um, you know we did have a strong performance in, in that opening game and, and whilst this will be tougher opposition and probably the toughest in, in the group um, you know we need to make sure that we're coming out on, on top and you know a game like this could really determine whether we finish the group first or, or second um, in terms of maybe goal difference so um, that will definitely be in the minds of, of the players in in uh, on, on Monday, yeah, it's it's going to be a nervy one, I think, but I'm really excited. And to be honest, I really hope not only England uh, finish top of their group because then they have a better chance of probably avoiding Germany, but I also think having a quarter final at Brentford would be a little bit disappointing because it's not as big as Brighton. So that is, I think, it would just be like carnage because everyone would just be like, ah, so overexcited. Um, so logistics-wise, so if England could just to... do that for us, that'd be great. <laughs> yes, logistics. Um, Friday, uh, Friday, no, Saturday. Saturday, we've got Portugal versus Switzerland and Netherlands versus Sweden in Sheffield, which should be an absolute classic. And then Sunday night, we've got Belgium versus Iceland and France versus Italy in Rotherham. Uh, that is it for today's episode of Upfront. Join us on Tuesday. We're going to be bringing reaction to England's second group game against Norway and remember we'll be here three times a week throughout the tournament so make sure you subscribe to Football Ramble Presents so you don't miss an episode in the meantime if you've got any questions tweet us at Football Ramble at Floyd Tweet for myself at Girls on the Ball for Rachel or at Morgie underscore 89 and we will see you all on Tuesday Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.